Welcome to our bonus podcast, guys. Today we are here in the studio again, only two of us. Donatas is away for a couple of weeks. He is on a well-deserved holiday, I guess. And me and Ritis is going to talk are going to talk about uh, Panathinaikos, their current form. We're going to talk about a little bit of Jalgiris, about referees in the Euroleague. That was quite a hot topic. And I know Ritis have has a rant prepared on that topic. And not everything I say is a rant. Sometimes it's no, just an opinion. I know, I know. But it, maybe it's just the way I present it. Right. Uh, a lot of things happened last week. Margazol retired after a long career. Uh, we'll share some memories about him as well. Erdem Chan was fired in the middle of a double week. That was quite a stunning move from FS, although I was not surprised. Uh, Joel Bolomboy extended with Zvezda his contract. And um, our, let's say, main topic uh, of this podcast is going to be transfer deadline signings because uh, February the 7th is the last day to sign new players for EuroLeague teams. So we are going to give some options for a couple of EuroLeague teams to improve their chances either for a Final Four appearance or to make the play-in or the playoffs. So uh, I guess let's start with Panathinaikos. And Ettore um, Messina, before the double week, said that uh, Panathinaikos together with Real Madrid right now are two best teams in Europe. And my question to you, Ritis, is do you agree with the statement uh, about Messina? How do you saw them in their double week? Did it change your opinion? And uh, just, yeah, do you think they're the second best team in Europe at the moment? I think if you do the power rankings, probably for December and January, they are alongside with Real Madrid. Uh, but I have to say, like, Barcelona is very consistent. Uh, they're getting wins. So I think they, they are um, in the second spot for a reason. Mm -hmm. But just talking about the quality... Uh, on defense, on offense, uh, Panathinaikos is is like a a really complete, solid team. Like we see some some of the teams that maybe have a pretty high offensive rating, but they struggle with the defensive rating. Uh, we see some teams vice versa, like they have a really good defense, but maybe lack some uh, quality offensively. Panathinaikos actually have both. Uh, mm. A really solid defense and at the same time uh, a really good offense of just course, to interrupt you for yeah. a second before about those stats they are in the last 11 games yeah they have the second best offense and the number one defense and their net rating is the best in the last 11 yeah. uh, 12 rounds so exactly that's, that's so actually the numbers just prove what i'm saying yeah uh of course like we saw them now without lucas i think with lucas they have uh more potential uh talking about the pick and rolls uh, that that he he's playing with Lazor and everything else uh for example in Konas it was all about Kendrick Nunn and Vildosa had a bad night so basically mm. if you're without Lucas you need some someone else to step up and that guy I'm expecting to make the step is is Vildosa I think he he can play much better but in general uh just like they, they look like a legit Final Four contender at the moment, the way they are playing. I just think there's a lot more belief right now in the system. Uh, I remember in the beginning of the season, it was difficult to maybe understand what are the roles for these players because everyone is, is uh, a 
new face in, in Panathinaikos. Uh, they changed the team completely. They have a new coach. And uh, in the beginning of the season, I couldn't predict that Jerry and Grant will be uh, defensive player of the year contender. I, mm. I couldn't predict that like Juancho Hernan Gomez will be struggling, but Marius Grigonis will actually be one of the key players for them. It was hard to see all those things uh, coming, but right now I can see them with clear roles. Uh, they know what they're doing. They have a lot of talent and they have a lot of confidence. Uh, so this uh, makes a team that is capable of beating anybody. Although in Konas, they, they, they suffered a defeat in, I would say, a very high-quality basketball game. Yeah, that was, to me, that was the definitely the thing that uh, stuck in my memory. That was high quality for, for both teams. And despite this loss that we are going to dive deep a little bit later, despite this loss in Konas, it, it did not change my mind. I have Panathinaikos right there at the top with Real Madrid. I think Ettore Messina was completely on point and uh, they lost a game on Friday against another really good team that yeah. played at home that played with a crowd that was probably the best uh let's say in this season in in Jalgir Arena and you know Pantanaikos showed that they can stay in games they can they can compete and we all know how hard it is to beat them at home yeah, yeah. like Oaka is uh I don't know one of the if not the loudest arena this season with all the fans back, I think Panathinaikos have a super solid size in their roster with Mitoglu and Lesort in their front court. These are two big bodies. Okay, maybe they lack centimeters a little bit with Lesort against really tall centers. But, you know, muscle-wise, uh, the mobility, the, um, the sheer power, they're really mesmerizing to watch. They have the ability to defend in, in, in the backcourt as well. You know, with Grant taking the primary defense uh, primary offensive players but also you know none and slukas i think when they were playing together they were really active on defense so it's not like yeah both of those guys you can target them and a lot of teams do yeah but they're really energetic and i really like them fr from this you know you have kendrick nunn who we should who we saw in konas yeah that guy is one of the top guards in europe at the For moment sure. the way um his shape has been rising the way he just moves on the court yep. and that one move i remember against Kevarius hayes in the second half he did a, a one crossover hesitation like fake uh, that he's shooting and then exploded to his left hand yeah and Kevarius hayes almost i don't know kissed the kissed the floor you know yeah he didn't lose his balance to the fullest but he he was definitely near that the the shots they made um so this loss against Jalgiris didn't don't change my opinion. I think they're the top team to beat, you know, top two team to beat in Europe at the moment. You're probably right, although you know the standings are crazy. Like you have uh, absolutely two more teams with 15 wins. You have, for example, Olympiakos chasing them. We might be talking about Panathinaikos being in a very good moment, and mm. Olympiakos facing some uh, difficulties. They they have so many injured players, but. There's just one win separating them. Like this year, mm. league is so competitive. Uh, about Kendrick Nunn, what I wanted to say, like what I'm impressed, uh, uh, I, I'm impressed with his game in general. But with what I'm impressed half, with the half most half court, half court interview, halftime <laughs> half interview. <laughs> half I'm sorry, interview, I'm no, sorry that was. Uh, I don't know why it was like that. <laughs> I, I, I'm I'm not sure. Uh, it was kind of funny, funny, but also awkward. Yeah. Um, but 
what I'm impressed with is his confidence. Like uh, other teams, of course, starting to put more emphasis on him. So mm. they are forcing him to his right. And he doesn't have a problem going to his right hand. Like it's his weaker hand, but okay, you, you do this. I drive to, to, to my right hand. I will find a way to finish with my left. But, mm. you know, that that's one thing about his confidence. The other thing is that uh, coming into the Jalgiris game, he had 29% from free. He and, doesn't, he and, doesn't and, care. And yeah. Jalgiris probably treated him as a 29% shooter in, in the first quarter. He does not care about those numbers. Yeah. He has confidence in his shot. He knows he can make those shots. And what happened is he scored 13 points in the first quarter. Hmm. Uh, I think there was one sequence where Jalgiris actually uh, went to help from the strong side, leaving Kendrick Nunn wide open. And, yeah, I, and that I, was I, the, I remember that. Blake. That was the 29% mm -hmm. treatment. And he hits three in a row. You cannot do that anymore. So he's a player that is capable of changing the flow of the game mm -hmm. on his own. Okay, versus Jalgiris, it was tough for him. He didn't have enough help, let's say, from Vildosa. Uh, Lucas didn't play. So even though Kendrick Nunn was scoring, in the second half, you could see more of the hero ball when they were down mm. by 10, by 12 in the, in the fourth quarter. Uh, he had seven turnovers. He tried to call a timeout uh, <laughs> when he was pressured um, to the sideline. Yeah, near the sideline. So that was a funny moment. But I think many NBA players coming into Europe have this one time where, where mm. they try to call a timeout with the ball once. in their hands. At, At least, least once. once. Yeah. <laughs> uh, but in general, I have to I have to agree with with, with you about Pantnekos and their their potential. Like one loss doesn't change it. Uh, oh, and you know, it was without Slukas. Yeah, and in the same week they and beat, we saw that in the they beat Milan 79-62. Mm -hmm. Again, Milan I I wouldn't say they are a team on the rise, but in some games you see that Milan is actually a team that could be mm. in the playoffs and could maybe even compete for the final four. So when yeah. you play Milan, you never judge them by the standings. You always judge them by the quality in in the roster. And by the cost kept them with 62 points, right. which is impressive. Uh, before the game, there was uh, a nice moment. I saw Marius Grigonis giving a shirt to a fan or a friend. I'm not sure what was that, but it was a cool moment that he brought, you know, his Panathinaikos jersey to one of his, I don't know, Lithuanian friends or, or a fan. I'm not sure. And we have some jerseys here for us today as well from our sponsor, SK Store. And uh, we are going to do the some unpacking yeah. like we are used to. You know, SK Store has been supporting us for a couple of times. I'm going to stop buying clothes from now because I'm like getting so many gifts yeah. this season. First of all, we have this. First of all, we have this shirt, T-shirt, I think. Um, do you recognize the last name of this I of do. This shirt? It's, it's a WNBA player. Uh, and, it's from, and she's from Dallas. She's from Dallas. And uh, did you see the story with her and Grant Williams? I didn't, no. No? No. You are an NBA guy. Enlighten me. I mean, uh, I watch the WNBA playoffs, uh, but I don't really follow that much on social media. Okay, so um, the story, and by the way, this shirt is, is amazing. Like SK Store has a lot of different sh shirts and they're really great quality. I have the one of LaMelo Ball. Yeah. I think you have uh, one of uh, Jeremy Sohan. That is true. And we have another one here in the studio of Ben Banyama, which we're probably going to lose at some point. 
But anyway, the story with her is that um, Grant Williams was talking to her. Uh, Grant Williams was, was talking to her after one WNBA game last summer. And uh, the camera caught uh, Grant Williams actually asking for her phone number after the short conversation after okay. a game in the middle of the court. And uh, okay, so it went viral. And I think this couple, just a couple of days ago, uh, I think Grant Williams arrived to the game uh, with uh, a shirt of her and she uh, quoted uh, that, that picture on Twitter and uh, just said, he got my number. <laughs> and it went viral because, you know, of all, uh, all, all these stores. So, so that's Satu Sabali uh, from, yes. from uh, Dallas Wings. And she actually, yes. in Europe, she plays for Fenerbahce in Turkey. Oh, at the moment? Uh, I, I, I'm not sure. She has a contract, so probably yes. Okay. And uh, so SK Store does not only have the these uh, amazing game uh, t-shirts, they have all kinds of basketball jersey, gear. Jerseys, right? Jerseys. That makes game jerseys. Like game jerseys, right. Jerseys. They yeah. have uh, retro sneakers. You can find probably, if you like basketball, you have a favorite player, you can find the jersey. And uh, they're one of the best online basketball stores. They are available available for world, worldwide shipping. Yeah. So if you want to buy uh, these sneakers that I have here right now, uh, they look really cool. Or this even WNBA t-shirt, you can go to skstore.eu. Uh, and right now, if you sign up, you can collect 5% discount off your first purchase. And you collect uh, partner club points with each purchase. So... If you spend 100 euros in their store, you get 40 points. And uh, for every 100 points, you get a one euro discount uh, on your next ship, uh, shopping. So uh, check out skstar.eu. Amazing jerseys. Uh, wanna, thanks a lot for sending these. You want to try it? Once again, I can actually like it's, I can actually do the podcast. With it's, this, it's medium size. So uh, I, I transferred <laughs> to L a couple of years ago. You think uh, this is not good for you? I think M does not fit me anymore these days. So okay, I have to be honest to myself okay. first of all. Um, while I do the changing, uh, <laughs> what do you think about Jalgris actually winning the game? Uh, what, what was your main takeaway from that game? And do you think Jalgris can actually uh, create a miracle? Yeah. Well. Talking about the whole week, not only when they cost game, uh, they also played FS. Both games were really impressive. Uh, I haven't seen Jalgris playing with so much purpose since Shara's days. Honestly, last season, Jalgris overachieved. But I was still kind of skeptical, saying that, mm. well, they're riding their luck sometimes. Uh, they're playing with their hearts, but I don't really see that much, like... Um, quality and and stuff that you expect in modern day basketball the way the team is supposed to play when when they're really not one of those rich clubs with with uh, star players on the roster Hargis has one star player that's pretty clear Keenan Evans mm. and these two games uh, against FS against Panathinaikos that was the I haven't been this impressed with Hargis since since Charles uh that's a bold statement. Honestly. Like That's a bold statement. Every pass has a purpose. Every dribble has a purpose. Yep. 
every time a player is driving, he knows what he has to do. They have sets for, for shooters like Brady Manic. Uh, they are using Birutis uh, the way he is supposed to be playing as a big man. Like there's no more uh, posting up for seven or eight seconds that actually kills the flow of the game. He doesn't do any unnecessary touches or dribbles. He gets the ball from a short roll. He either passes to the corner or he shoots his sweet mm. right-handed floater that is very difficult to, to defend. <laughs> like, And he's making those uh, for the past few weeks uh, at 90% rate. He's probably uh, nine, 9 of 10 on those so, shots alone. Like Everything they do now makes so much sense. Rarely do you see possessions where the clock is running out and they have to take a desperate shot. Like Keenan Evans sometimes still is in, mm. in those positions, but rarely. And also that there's a fact that he's capable of making tough shots. And when you see Keenan Evans getting 35 performance index yeah. rating with 11 field goals, only 11 field goals, I mean, that is just crazy. And Trinkieri is, is, is really smart saving Keenan Evans' energy for the fourth quarter. Uh, like sometimes even when he is on the court, he leaves the ball handling duties uh, to the other guard, uh, stands in the corner for a couple of possessions. Uh, when he's on the bench, they're still playing with good energy. Like even Edmund Sumner, even though like he's struggling with decision-making, with mm. shot-making, he still gives you energy. And that's why uh, Trunchieri puts him on the court. So I'm, I'm super impressed. Uh, some of the players actually uh, are in better situations right now than they were before. Some, you could say, maybe uh, have to adjust to, to a different uh, system, different rotations, like Roland Schmitz, for example. Uh, previously, he was a player with most minutes mm. on this roster, playing 30, 32 minutes per game. Now he's not even starting, and, and he's playing 18 or 20 minutes, but he has those big runs like in the third quarter I think Schmitz was one of the players that actually uh, changed the game and helped Jalgiris to build the lead when he's on the court they use him to the fullest yeah uh, but Brady Manek as as a shooting big Trinkieri just you can see he loves having Brady Manek on his team and, mm. and he knows how to use him so I'm really impressed uh, do you would, believe they can make the play plane that's what I was going, <laughs> going to. Um, this is the tricky question to answer right now. So the I, way they're playing, the way they're playing, I would say they're a top team, top five team by quality. Quality wise, yes. But there's another thing. Uh, we saw this at home, right? In Chalgiris Arena, mm -hmm. away from home is different. Like uh, when they last went to Stark Arena, I don't think they played bad basketball. I just think that, that there was not enough help for Keenan Evans. Players were not making shots. Mm -hmm. And Partizan at home, you know, mm -hmm. it, it's, it's tough, a, even yeah. though they started the game great. And that's another thing, like with Trinchieri, they always start the game very well. Like mm -hmm. they build the lead, early lead that happened against Fenerbahce, against Part Partizan, uh, against uh, FS, against Pantanikos. FS, that, that was a... I think historically that was the best quarter for Zalgiris in EuroLeague, 34-14. I think so. Biggest yeah. uh, advantage. Biggest margin plus 20. and 34 points. At least this season was the best. Yeah. So uh, this is why I don't really believe in, in, in the miracle. Okay. Like you still have to win away from home. 
uh, you don't really have much space for for mistakes. Uh, you can lose maybe two games out of nine. Not I think, not, I think not two more. games is, is maximum. So even though they're playing good basketball, great basketball, uh, maybe it's just a little bit too late. Mm. Like uh, I I don't think they will catch the train. Although there is a possibility, and they're treating every game as a final. Uh, probably they're not looking at the standings. They're just thinking like we have to go game by game and see see where it gets us. Uh, but uh, we can try to predict and calculate. And I don't see them like winning nine games in a row. Uh, even this week, a really tough away game hmm. versus Vesda, and it means so much because Vesda is in the same position. They will try to beat Jalgiris. They will try to get the uh, points advantage over Jalgiris because mm-hmm. Jalgiris won the first game in Konas. So this game means so much. Like if you lose this, uh, probably the expectations will go down once again. But if somehow they, they get this win away from home, I think people will start believing. This this game is, is, is I don't know, do or die. Yeah. It's not do or die, but if you win this game, you can actually start hoping something because Jalgiris have five games remaining at home, four games away. One is in Stark Arena this Friday. The other is in Stark Arena against Maccabi. In, uh, uh, Alexander it's, it's Nikolic. Not Star, yeah, yeah. Uh, right, you're right. Uh, but it's uh, with with no people. So it's an easier away game than most. And uh, the other away games is Bayern and AS Monaco in the round 33. So somehow if you win those games at home, their schedule is really tough, but they have Real Madrid as their last game. Probably Real Madrid is not going to care about that game that much. But uh, it's really hard to be- believe in it. Mm. But Andrea Trinchieri somehow changed this team in one month, completely changed this team. And mm. I somehow, of course, as a Lithuanian, I want to believe that there is still this slim hope of reaching the plane. But I see these all other teams. You're probably, you're not probably, you're, you, you're going to need 17 wins. So Jalgiris can lose only twice. And that's really a small margin. Yeah. So... There's no I, margin for error. There's no and, margin for error. And actually, if you lose, it's better to lose, let's say, to a team like Monaco. You're not chasing Monaco. Mm-hmm. Right. It's, Don't it's, lose to Basconia. Don't lose to Zvezda. That, that is why That's why I come back to the point that this game on yeah. Friday can can answer a lot of things and uh, it's going to be super important and definitely one to watch before yeah. the break. Uh, also, another thing I want to say, like uh, I'm praising Trinkieri and the way Jalgis were playing last week. I don't want this to sound like... Uh, like a bad image on our previous coach because uh, yeah. he's Fides. I'm not trying to say he didn't do a good job. All I'm saying is that Trinchieri actually made improvements and, mm-hmm. and it seems like uh, the club made the right choice. Look, I said it uh, after the broadcast. Fides did an amazing job last season. Some new things were missing this season, but it does not mean he, he is a bad, bad coach. Like yeah. last season, this team was playing with amazing details. For every game, one of the best defensive teams. One in the of league. the best defensive teams. These two are really different coaches. Because like, yeah. these build more uh, the team more around the talent that he had. You know, on Keenan Evans, on uh, at Grasolano was post ups. He had Brzezdekis. Well. He had Brzezdekis last season, and uh, he tried to uh, live on the same principles that you know he continues as a coach after the season. He was dealt a really harsh hand. Mm. You know, to start this Euroleague season, you cannot you cannot forget this absolutely. 
everyone who's saying that, oh, wow, look, Trinkieri is a much better coach. Okay, maybe that is the truth. But I'm, but compare the rosters that you have right now. Arnas is back. Brady Manick is back. Uh, you know, Keenan Evans is, is playing Arn- on a different Arnas level. Arnas was huge, actually. Arnas is huge. So Versus Patnaikos, I think, in the second half, he was so important. Uh, that is true. Like They had problems this season with injuries. Mm-hmm. It was not only about the coaching. Now it's much yeah. better when they have players back. And also in a double game week, uh, as as funny as it sounds like for Keenan Evans, the early foul trouble versus FS actually helped, helped him to maybe uh, be 100% uh, against Pantanaikos. Yeah. But we are going to uh, talk about that FS game, I think, on the top, on the segment we yeah. have about Erdem Chan. It, I, just, I, want just, to, I want to, you know, throw yeah, in some okay, points. We will get into it. It's just from Keenan Evans' perspective. Yeah. Like, uh, Dimsha took his minutes, took his role. Mm-hmm. They had a comfortable lead and then versus Pantanaikos, fireworks. Yep. And right now, like, you, you mentioned the word believe a lot. Like, do we believe in Ralgiris chances? Do the fans believe? So I think I uh, simply believe the, in this the, team. The, the, the song Italo Disco became a hit in, in Ralgiris mm-hmm. Arena. I think they probably should change it to the classics Journey, Don't Stop Believing. <laughs> okay. Uh, you know, there's there was one thing that Wade Baldwin didn't believe last week, and that was EuroLeague <laughs> referees. <laughs> um, and then, you know, a lot of players express their uh, discontent i would say frustration frustration in the referees this season there was uh kendrick nunn saying that despite a 20-point win the referees are terrible somebody's got to hold them responsible for the way they officiate the game if nobody's going to say it the players have to they can take whatever they want from it referees have to do a much better job officiating the game calling both ways and i stress calling both ways yeah and chima moneke also was uh on twitter he wrote, also, something needs to be done about these refs, please. And he said that after a win. After a win. And yeah. he said it after a win where Wade Baldwin, after the whistle, after the final buzzer sounded, he threw the ball to- towards the side of the referee. I'm happy he did not throw it straight to the referee's face. And then he came really close, you know, basically... To, to the referee's mm. uh, face and uh, said probably not a lot of good things. So do you really do you really agree with um, not what Wade Baldwin done? Because that was, I think, absolutely unnecessary and he needs to be punished for that. But do you think mm. that the referees are, you know, doing a bad job this season and how much is it, uh, let's say, worsening your EuroLeague watching experience? Uh, well, first of all, like, even if they they have a bad performance uh, officiating, uh, you should not assault a referee. Like at the end of the day, it's 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 a human being trying to do his job. That you're, was bad. You're a human being trying to do your job. I get the emotions, the frustration, and all, but uh, I don't think you should react in, in in that manner, especially after that last play where there was actually no foul. Mm. He just lost the ball. Uh, but I get it that it, probably his reaction was not because of this last play, For sure. it's because of what happened during the 40 minutes. Now, to answer your question, uh, does it bother me and, and how how much does it disturb me while, while I'm watching the games? I'm going to say that I'm more disappointed with the actual rules that we have than the uh, quality of refereeing. Okay. 
although I agree that this season there's not much consistency with 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 the refs and when there's one player complaining okay you say that maybe that's just his character but one two three four five six players on twitter talking talking about refs probably there there is a problem Mm -hmm. and and it has to be addressed Uh, we remember mike james was on twitter as well after the penalty cause game yeah so So we're not saying that the refs are favoring some teams but in general probably and there's not enough consistency and this season it's 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 kind of frustrating but i'm actually disappointed with, with with our rules First of all, all these video reviews. Um, there are so many unnecessary video reviews. Uh, we have to do something about it. The games are so long. It's yeah, uh, like you added uh, an extra coaches challenge, and now the refs sometimes when they have doubts, instead of actually tr- going to the monitor, they ask the coach, "Do you want to challenge this?" The coach then decides he does. Uh, it's, it's a really long process, and if I'm watching that game, I mean, it just forces me to do some other stuff. I pick up my phone, I start scrolling, I, I, I lose my attention. And, and sometimes these video reviews are pretty unnecessary, I would say. Like mm. they spend three or four minutes to check whether they should add uh, one more second on, on the clock in the middle of the first quarter. Uh, so that's that's one. Those thing. are the worst. Yeah, man. those are, those the, are the, the worst. And, and, and we, we've talked about the conversations that we hear at the time when they're <laughs> asking for the master camera give me the control <laughs> man uh, something has to do, has to be done about this also some of our rules like first of all i don't like what an unsportsmanlike foul is according to the Euro- european rules i think that in the nba it's, it's much better with the flagrant fouls and and the clear path fouls there's there, there's an obvious criteria what is a clear path foul and the flagrant foul is actual unnecessary physical contact or, or or something like you do on purpose to hurt the opposing player. A tough foul shouldn't be an unsportsmanlike foul. Like someone just not going for the ball but fouling someone under the rim shouldn't be an unsportsmanlike foul, in my opinion. Uh, you want this to be more like in an, in an NBA where yes, you can make exactly. a hard foul. And the other thing is, and I would call it a circus, the way they award the uh, free throws, like I agree, I completely agree. Like Wade Baldwin's example is, is is a good one from the Basconia game. He was awarded free free throws because the refs went to the screen, they looked at it, and they said, "Well, there's an attempt to shoot." Well, I don't care what is an attempt to shoot. You're either shooting or not. So <laughs> there is no actual shot. There is an attempt to shoot. So. Uh, Allow these refs to use some common sense. Not only the rule book, but also the common sense. Is the player actually shooting from that position? Taking into account all the circumstances, the shot clock, the result, the game clock. Or is he just fishing for cheap free Mm -hmm. throws? Wade Baldwin was doing a one-two step into a... Shooting motion is really a strong statement. That was like... So this, he knows the foul. Was, he knows the foul is coming. So yeah. he might pretend that he's mm-hmm. he he's attempting to shoot the ball, and then he's getting free free throws, and and it's not only him. It's not uh, like I'm not talking about one player doing yeah. this. It's uh, ev- everyone is doing it. Like you can use the rules in your favor, 
go ahead, you're doing it. Like James Harden was doing something, something similar in the NBA and they changed the rules. They actually started changing the rules because of these things, because players are fishing for free throws. So uh, the rule book is fine, but you also need some common sense. Mm-hmm. So stop awarding these these, these silly silly free throws. And it's not only on free point shots. Sometimes uh, you see these these situations with someone um, driving to the rim. He's in the air and he's obviously looking to pass the ball. But since there's contact, he gets his arms up, and then the refs decide that that's uh, an attempt to shoot the ball to the basket. So uh, I don't like these rules. I think they need to be changed. Uh, I think that would improve our game. And also do something about these video reviews because technology is good when you use it properly. But sometimes when you misuse technology, it mm-hmm. actually, um, I'm not going to say kills the game. It's, it's too strong of a word, but it kind of uh, bothers me mm-hmm. and bothers all the other people watching those games. Because now a EuroLeague broadcast where we play four quarters of 10 minutes somehow is two and a half hours. Yep. I think I think that's a that's a big problem. The games are uh okay, the long the 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 length is not the problem if you are playing the actual game because it's interesting. The problem is those uh, stops that you yeah. mentioned. And uh in my eyes, it actually the re- the refereeing is is somehow way more terrible than last year. We did not talk about the re- referees that much. Okay, the fans are always going whenever Panathinaikos lose or uh, Olympiacos lose, you know, Fenerbahce. It doesn't really matter. All the teams, uh, the fans of all the teams, uh, there is there is a group of these fans that do it. You know, they, they say, oh, but you have you seen the refs? It was probably not the refs, but the refereeing both ways, the inconsistency, the amount of how much people talk about the refs, you know, you know, as we speak after mm. the games, is just, I think it's too much. And I think it is a direct result of them not being consistent enough. I don't know if whether that's uh, video, uh, you know, more challenges. They're less decisive in their calls or whatever mm. that is. But I hope they really get better, let's say, for the uh, second part of the season. Yeah, and you know, if players are talking about it, it's mm-hmm. probably an issue because I don't have to play those games. I don't have to go through what they're going through. I just mm. watch those games. So they know much better uh, if they got a call yep. last week and they're not getting the same call this week, they're going to make a fuss about it. So I have to, uh, well, I have to trust them. Mm-hmm. Like if, if if there's a whole group of players complaining and maybe some European players would admit also that the refereeing is not so good, but they are just uh, not, not used to being vocal mm-hmm. about these things, not used to going to Twitter. Uh I remember talking to some Lithuanian uh, players uh, some years ago, like, and, and they were uh, so frustrated with the officiating in the, these FIBA qualifying windows. They were saying, like, we play in our leagues, domestic leagues, uh, in uh, FIBA competitions on club level, mm. and we don't don't get that bad refereeing, mm. and hmm. all of a sudden it's happening here. But they don't go public. Now we have players going public. Maybe mm. it's a good thing. At the same time, I don't like that EuroLeague is silent every time someone criticizes their refs. Like you should react either like with statements, uh, actually admitting some mistakes were made in in some of those games. Like 
the NBA does reports mm-hmm. sometimes, and they admit like there were six bad calls in the fourth quarter in the Lakers Minnesota game or something like that. Just an example. And at the same time, well, you as a league, you still have to protect the refs. So what Wade Baldwin do, did has to be punished. Mm. Sometimes this public criticism in press conferences, in TV interviews, in Twitter, on Twitter, probably also deserves a fine. But you need some communication as well, like to explain to people why certain calls were made, to maybe provide some reports, analysis of some games that, like Maccabi Basconia game, you, you have both teams not happy with the refs. Pasconia won, but they are still not happy. And they ha- they got a double win, actually. They won the game, and uh, they beat Maccabi by 10. They mm. lost the first yeah. first game by 8. But Chimamoneke is not happy with the refs. Maccabi, obviously, they're disappointed. Not only they lost the game, they feel like uh, mm. the refs didn't uh, actually control the game. So that's that's all I have to say on the, on, on the issue. <laughs> I mean, you should probably uh, talk to the players. Uh, I, I just watch those games. Sometimes I do admit that there are bad calls. Mm. Uh, I always want to defend the refs because they do their job. They're human beings, as I said. I never got a technical playing in amateur leagues. <laughs> <laughs> I hope they can fix this. Um, anyway, Mark Gasol retired. And, you know, he had an amazing career. Uh, he won the FIBA World Cups twice, FIBA Eurobasket twice. He played in two Olympic finals, 191 games for national career. Defensive player of the year in the NBA in 2013. Three-time All-Star, NBA champion. He has everything probably except the Olympic gold um, in his career. And what was your biggest memory let's say which moment of his career stands out for you is there a particular game maybe mm. or um well if if we're talking about a particular game i would say the 2019 world cup uh damn i had the same semi-final one. semi-final versus australia yep spain looked beaten it seemed like they have they, they don't have a chance and actually right. i think that year australia had a better team than spain Spain had Ricky Rubio, the MVP, and they had Mark. But so many players didn't arrive that year for the national team, and nobody thought that they could actually win the World Cup. Hmm. And it didn't seem like they could beat Australia. But Mark Gasol was was clutch. He did everything. He did Australia everything was playing game. amazingly. For sure. They, I think they deserved the medal. They were unlucky yeah. not to win the medal in that competition. So if we're talking about one game, it, it will probably be this one but do you remember the stats uh i would say he scored like 33 points you checked up the box no, score, i didn't man. i like did not 33 I, he did 33. 33 i did not check the box score but i was in china um commentating, commentating that, that game. game yeah so uh, um i i do have pretty good memory <laughs> uh 33 points in 30 almost 39 minutes 11 of 19 from the field man. 8 of 10 from 2, 3 of 9 from the 3. All 8 made free throws. Um, and he scored a basket to to get the, get the game to the overtime, I think. I think so. I think he scored the last so. basket in the fourth quarter. Maybe that's an idea to rewatch for our retro segment. But Maybe. he also had 6 rebounds, 4 assists, uh, 2 blocks. 
His plus minus was plus nine, 33 efficiency. And uh, yeah, I don't know. That game mm, definitely, you know, stayed in my mind until this moment that, uh, you know, we were talking about this with Donatas, with Marcus Gasol retiring. And he was like, what moment do you remember? And I'm like, damn, that semifinal game, that was, game. was They didn't have Pau, so it, was, it yeah. was all about Mark that year. But in general, I have to say, um, it's not one game or one series or, oh, or one competition. Not. It's it's uh, his whole career. Like no one expected him to become an NBA star. No one expected him to become even a top center in Europe. Uh, when he was young, when he was playing in in Spain, people looked at him as Pau Gasol's younger brother. That's it. And that's it. And he was drafted in the second round, I think 46th pick, 43rd pick, something like that, by the LA Lakers. 48. 48. And when they did the trade for Pau Gasol, they just added the draft rights to Marc Gasol as, as something that doesn't really mean much. And like pro- a stash pick, usually, yeah. you know, a European stash it, it, pick. Exactly. And that maybe is, that is not going to go overseas to the NBA. Maybe even the Memphis Grizzlies didn't think at the time that they are getting a, mm. a player that they will build a, their team around in the future. 10 years in Memphis. I think in the first 2K game, he had a 52 overall or something like that. <laughs> I don't know that, man. You play the 2K. I'm, I'm thinking like something like that, close to it. Uh, but what we saw is actually he never looked like uh, the most athletic player on the court, but his mm-hmm. IQ was something else. Like, Of course, there's this body strength and everything, mm-hmm. but it, first of all, is it's his IQ. So when you think about passing big man, you're thinking about Sabonis, Jokic, and Marcus Hall. So Pau Gasol was always seen as the more talented offensive player with more mm. skill, but Marc Gasol was the better passer, and he's one probably at the time before Jokic he was the best passing center in the league, mm. and the way he was protecting the paint, protecting the rim, the way he was reading the game. Eventually, he added this pick and pop shooting. This freeze. is the last thing I wanted to add. He did not. He averaged 0.2 three-pointers per game in the NBA yeah. until he turned 32 years old. Then from 0.1, he went to 3.6 attempts in the next season. And then he was shooting like three, four, two threes per game until the end of his career. And That's amazing. That's I remember amazing. Masai Ujiri uh, traded Giannis Valanciunas for Marcus Hall. So in Lithuania, people were saying like, what? Why? <laughs> and I get it, but they knew what they were doing. They knew that they need a veteran center who could help them stop players like Joel Embiid, Yanis Antetokounmpo, and also do this pick and pop, shoot the free thing, which he was doing at that point of his career. And they ended up being the NBA champions. And Marcus Gasol was a huge part of it. So, I mean, he was actually one of my favorite players um, because of how he was an underdog throughout mm. his career and then he reached this level of being the NBA Defensive Player of the Year, an all-star, uh, a core key player to this Memphis Grizzlies team that we know the grit and grind culture they created and Marc Gasol was the main man 
in that culture, in that team. I could spend an hour, a whole podcast probably <laughs> talking about Mark. Shout out to Mark. Uh, amazing career. What's not so amazing is that another EuroLeague team fired a coach last week. Erdem Chan was fired in the middle of a double week. And I thought that was the first time, but uh, I saw in our uh, group chat of Basket News that uh, it happened before. Uh, what do you think FS should sign? Because there is no, at least I didn't see, you didn't see uh, a lot of my colleagues, you know, what, what's the situation with their current head coach? Uh, who of the three options, available options, you know, as Dimitri Studis, Cariolo, Gianmarco Pozzeco, or others, would you sign right now? And, uh, or maybe you would wait until the summer. But my question is, how does FS rebuild from here? Mm. What do they do? What are the free, two free moves? I actually, what are the two free moves yeah. if you are an FS GM right now? I actually would like to hear your answers. First? Uh, well, okay. I, I, I just have to say this. Uh, throughout the whole season, I defended Erdem Jan and I said that they should not fire him. But after Ralgiri's game, I put my headphones on the table. I looked at my colleague, Jonas Lakshas, and I said... That man is getting fired tomorrow. Yeah. I said it after two quarters, to be honest. Because, and uh, he, I think he'll, he's going to be an excellent coach. But he did not get those players, I think, to believe in him. Those same players went on and won against Milan two days later. Mm. And they're definitely not playing such a bad defense against Ralgiris if they actually try. Yeah, there's no effort. There was there no effort. There was no effort. There was no energy. And what does that mean? This means players don't believe in a coach. And I'm not saying they sold him out, but this was the same, I think, uh, as it was in Ralgiris with Kazis Maxquitis. Probably some players started started doubting the, the tactics or whatever, or they had disagreements with the coaches. I'm not inside of the team. I don't know. That's just my guess. But the body language, we see the change in Jalgiris. Mm. I expect to see a similar change in, in FS as they start playing, as they maybe, you know, change the coach right now. Because the way they were playing against Jalgiris, they definitely didn't believe anymore in the system. Mm. The losses got to them. And those players are not as bad as they oh, looked no, they didn't. in, co in Konas. No, no. But uh, in, it's truth to be told, I think, uh, to be honest, I think... Um, they should wait until the summer to sign a coach. Uh, I don't think they're making the play-in, even though they can play very well one day. They have just too many weak spots, I think, in the roster. I think the structure of that roster is not good enough to compete in the EuroLeague. Their defense is the worst, 18th defensive rating. I looked at advanced stats in the third. In the, in the second half, they have had six games this season where they allowed more than 50 points in third and fourth quarter. Oof. That's when your defense has to be the best. Yeah. has to be the best. And five of those games were away, obviously. So mm. I think they should make a coaching change in the summer. Uh, you know, Itudis is available, Scariolo is available. Maybe you go for, you know, Sergio Scariolo. I would go for him. Build a team around Shane Larkin. He's only 31. He has, let's say, proved again to everybody that he's that guy on your roster. 
He has been amazing uh, in, in terms of points scored, creation. He always attracts two people. But you need to get someone who is a defensive-minded center, like somebody of a profile of Matias Lazord. I think that's what FS needs. And then, you know, building the team around Shane Larkin, I think you need to move some pieces uh, around and just 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 get more defense, get new players, um, try to maybe, you know, have guys that don't tend to get injured that much. 18 different players played for FS this season because of all their injuries. That's been a huge problem because when you have new coach, you need to players to be healthy. And Erdem Chan did not have it. So uh a lot of a lot of things that FS have to do. Yeah, they they are unlucky with injuries this season, I must admit. And well, sometimes you cannot really predict players getting injured, but sometimes you sign players knowing their history. Um and I agree with you that they probably should finish this season with an interim coach or the way mm. they are right now. Because it's it, it's not really possible to do a miracle and win the Euroleague or something like that. So even making the play-in is a long shot right now. And FS is a big team; they don't care about making play-in. Yeah, so they either, care about either winning you titles. compete for for the title or you don't. Mm -hmm. like, okay, there's Turkish league, and maybe even in the current situation, you could. Uh, win the finals in the Turkish league. Who knows in what shape the teams will be uh, early in the summer or at the end of May. Uh, talking about the next coach, uh, yeah, you mentioned all the names. I would throw another name. If I was FSGM trying to be creative again, I would try to go for Thomas Lisalo. Thomas yeah, amazing coach. Paris basketball coach. I know it probably will will be very difficult because Paris has a good project with him. He just signed that. He just signed with, so, with them. But but okay, maybe if Paris don't go to Euroleague next year, um, you could offer something better. You will have to probably offer a lot of money. But but are you going for another rookie coach? That's uh, the thing. Probably after all the success he had with Ataman and now this season with the uh, new coach, you're probably going to go for some safe options like Itudis or Scariolo. But hmm. Isolo to me sounds I would sounds, love to see him in the year. Like really definitely good, good idea for FS. Definitely a coach that to, to, to keep an eye on. Um, I mean, let's go on to another signing. Uh, not another signing, but uh, Joel Bolomboy extending his contract with Zvezda until the 25-26 season. Miloš Teodosic got that man a new contract. No, I'm kidding. Um, he helped with his passes. Yeah. But Bolomboy has been amazing this season. And my question is, where do you see him in the center's list? Is he top five? Is he top 10? Is he top 15 only? Um, and what's your top five after that? Whew. Well... He's not top five. He's not top five? I don't think so. Uh, you could have a discussion for top 10, maybe. He's uh, looking at the stats. He's 10th in, in PR and uh, I think lower, a little bit lower in points. But the, ten, uh, but the nine names above him is Matthias Lasor, Johannes Tiemann, Jan Vesely, Tavares, Ibaka, yeah. Milutinov, Nebo, Mustafa Fall, and Vincent Poirier. Mm. 
be, be, below is Brandon Davis, the next closest one. Do you think he's above any of those guys that I just mentioned? I'm not sure. Maybe not. But even in his previous teams, he was a defensive presence. Mm. So now in Zvezda, with with Teodosic and other point guards that they have, uh, it's he's getting more easy points. As as a center who's very good at rolling at the rim or even playing above the rim, that's all he needs to have a good passing point guard and you can average 10 points per game. But what is more important to me is his uh, defense. He is definitely one of the best defensive centers in the league right now. Mm. And that's why they extended his contract because if he, he would become a free agent in the summer, many teams would go for him. And the teams he played before were they were title contenders, Olympiakos and uh, Ceska Moscow. And in those teams, I also saw him as a good defensive center. But now he's probably reaching his peak, and and he found the best place for him to play. And and you know he gets those numbers, averaging ten points per game, five rebounds per game. Mm. So I I don't want to be unfair to anybody. Like top five. There top are five is none. There on. are players like Eddie no, Tavares, no. Um, Lesor. Let Let's go with our top five centers of this season. Who okay, do you have so at number one? It's just based on this season, right? Just this season performance. Just this season performance. Because in general, I would say Eddie, but just this season performance, I have to go with Lesor. Okay, that's fair for me. Number one, number two is uh, Vesely, or Matias Lazor. Yeah. It's it doesn't really matter one or two, two or one. Vesely, yeah. Jan Vesely this season, he's been so impressive. I mean, he's been impressive for so long, but this season in particular. So Vesely, Lazor. I have Mustafa Fall at three. Mustafa Fall. The guy before the injury, he he was someone yeah. who who could actually get a triple double. A center was actually the number one option in uh, in the offense of Olympia cause. I don't know if that's been the case um, since 2005. Okay, maybe I'm exaggerating. You know, mm. it's more about like 2012 or 2015. Some play, some teams in the NBA still have Nikola Jokic, but 90% of the teams nowadays build their team around guards. And yeah. you have Mustafa Fall acting as a guy who receives the ball with five seconds left in the shot clock in Olympia cause. So... That just speaks volumes to me. He's been amazing um, posting up, rebounding, passing the ball, and on defense, you know, just his size. Yeah. When you add Thomas Walkup in that pick-and-roll defense, it, it's amazing. So to me, he's number three. And we spoke about Milutinov. He, 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 had... he should be in this conversation, but too many injuries, right. too many missed games. Right. Uh, and that has been a, a nagging issue mm. for three or four years for him. Right. So that that is sad because we know his true potential. We know that if he's in shape and he's playing, he's he's definitely one of the top five centers in, in this league. So we have like Fal, um Walter Tavares in the top five and and one last name. Yeah, we must have Eddie, although this season is not the best for him. Mm. Even now he was injured. But, but they on, have he's still like you could say when you put him there in stuff, the middle but you could say when Sampoire has a case of being in, in the top 5 right, this, right. this season right but i don't know i i'm really impressed with Josh Nebo this year 
I think he made a step forward. Uh, definitely, definitely. Um, he's the best offensive rebounder in the league right now. He creates these extra possessions for Maccabi. Uh, Maccabi is not necessarily a great defensive team so far, but Nebo, I mm. think he he's like the uh, the best option for them at center, mm. defensive-wise and offensively as well, because well, he's so strong above the rim. Uh, so many alley-oop plays with him. He's getting to the line a lot. He's, he's taking, I, I don't know how many, but I would say like six free throws per game probably. And, and also these offensive rebounds. So hmm, judging by this season only, I would probably put him in my top five. Okay. I agree. And I think Bolin Boy is around where he is with his PR. Uh, uh, you know, in the 10th spot around that mark, top mm -hmm. 10. For him, for a guy who was a backup center just last year in Olympia Cost, one of, you know, three options, I think it's it, it's a great step forward for him, one of the breakout players. He deserves that contract. I don't care, Milos, you're playing with Milos Teodosic, it's just much easier, but he has been one of the few players in Zvezda that are consistent this season. Yeah, and, and, and b before the season, you couldn't say that he had like guaranteed minutes or, or or you could say that he's definitely their main center because they signed many players and mm. there was competition in that team. We did not expect that. Mm. Okay, and let's go to our last topic about uh, transfer deadlines. As I mentioned at the beginning, February 7th is the last day for EuroLeague teams to sign players and uh, we have a couple of offers yeah. for some teams to improve during the last days and uh, it's not going to be anything huge we don't have a particular name for every team but we just have a player profile for some teams that they should uh, strengthen their roster and just increase their chances just a little bit to reach the final four or the playoffs so what do you have in mind Yes. Yeah, yeah. So first of all, I have to say that I don't believe in February signings uh, making your team the champion. So they might help you a little bit, but I don't see uh, a huge <laughs> game changer that would change the league completely. February signings don't win you titles. Write it on the wall. They just, I don't know. <laughs> they just help you to survive. Just like, a little you, bit. You're approaching the cup competitions uh, this month. Like, mm -hmm. The schedule in the domestic leagues is also getting tougher because some teams are fighting for for the playoff spots in in Spain, for example. And that's why I want to start with a Spanish team, and that, that is Basconia. Mm -hmm. A huge win for them over, over Maccabi. A really tough double game week, and during that week, they ended up being left with only one center, and that is Mike Kotsar. And I think Mike Kotsar was terrific versus Maccabi defensively and offensively, but he played 37 minutes. And you're not going to last long with Mike Kotsar playing 37 minutes. I know players will will be back eventually. They have Costello out. They have Sedekerskis out. They have Khalifa uh, Diop out. So they're definitely undermanned right now. Um, okay, with the guards, they're fine. Cristioza is out, but they just signed Jordan Theodore, a veteran player, and he's definitely helping them. Um, but I just want another big in Basconia to help Kotsar, to help Moneke, mm. to help even Sedekerskis when he when he's back, because he's also playing a lot of minutes. 
to help Cody Miller McIntyre because you know, oof, those shoulders. Yeah, <laughs> they hurt, man, in the clutch. Those uh, are start. Those are uh, about to to be hurt. You know that I mean? is true. Although, <laughs> like you have Marcus Howard, he can score a hundred points in two minutes. So <laughs> that's that's also true. That's also true. Uh, but they, the guy they, is amazing. They need help at center. Hmm. I would I, look for a center, and they don't need nothing spectacular. They don't need a superstar. They don't need some kind of a dominant post post move genius. They just need a solid center who can play twelve minutes of good, honest defense and rebounding and setting some screens for Marcus Howard. So uh, something like that. Maybe you can find uh, find a player uh, inside the uh, ACB league, maybe in the free agency, but it would definitely help. I heard the, they have uh, some really good uh, athletic centers uh, that they're in Turkey, you know? Dano that, Turu, that, that's what I'm Moses seeing. Wright, Moses Wright, I think Basconia, yeah. you know. Maybe. Moses Wright, and never heard a guy before he signed with Olympiacos, and all of a sudden on his debut, he he scores what like yeah. eight, eighteen points. Mm-hmm. You know, Basconia doesn't even need that. Like I said, they just need someone who can help them. My offer is for Panathinaikos. I was I, I I was watching them. I watched quite a lot of games recently. Of their team, um, I love what they're doing defensively. Marius Grugan is playing an amazing season, but I still think for the playoffs mm. to have a better chance to reach the final four, I still think. And I know Yanis Papapetru, uh is back right now, but I still think they need a bigger, small forward, a bigger body. It doesn't have to be a crazy good player, uh, you know. Ergin Ataman likes to play with three guards to have the creation, to have the shooting. Maris have been mm-hmm. amazing. But I think in the playoffs, if you are in the final four, if you want to have a chance to win it all, you will have teams that have really big bodies in the yeah. small forward position. You know, Gabriel Deck, the first thing that you know strikes in my mind. And if you want to have a chance to beat those and to not be exposed in every possession, I think uh, they need to look in that direction. I think mm-hmm. that would uh, add another layer to their already good defense. And if that guy can shoot the three-pointer also, it would be, I think, perfect. Do you have any uh, other teams in mind? I first of all want to react to your idea. Uh, oh, okay. Sure. Uh, to your what do you idea. think? I still don't understand why Juancho Ernan Gomez is not used as a small forward. Like I, I, At the moment, it just seems like he lost all of his confidence and maybe all the public I criticism agree. Got, got to him. But like he's playing as a four versus Roland Schmitz. Well, They're Schmitz, going at him in every Schmitz position. Schmitz just physically beats him. He's being out-muscled in the paint. And then Ataman goes out to criticize him. Like So maybe he, he can be more useful as a small forward. Don't put him on a guy like Schmitz. Like, try something else. So that's just an idea. But I agree that... Signing a new player could even help you more. Uh, although I think that roster is deep enough, and if everyone's healthy, they do have enough players. Mm. Mm, but but yeah, that's that makes sense what you said. Um, moving on, talking about the other teams, it was so hard for me to like figure out what do I want to improve. There, there's uh, like with FS, I would like to improve two or three areas positions and. It's not going to happen in February. It's unrealistic. Oh, you were going this way because uh, my thought was there are so many teams that have a lot of players. They yeah. have bodies, but I don't think they have enough talent or that talent matches around each okay. other. 
that was my problem with a lot of teams. Like Olympiacos, they have, what, 15 guys? Mm. But they are still missing a certain player, I think. But are, how are you going to sign if you already mm. have so many talented players that need minutes, that want to play, that can give you something, yeah. but not necessarily put you over the top? Uh, so maybe one idea for me would be to um, sign a guard for Virtus Bologna. Because mm. in some of the games I've watched recently, it seems to me like they're running out of gas. They mm -hmm. have so many veteran players. And in some of the games, I didn't see the same energy that I saw in the first part of the season. Okay, just recently, they got a really nice and important win over Partizan. But there were some pretty bad games, I would say, for, for them in the last few weeks. Uh, so you do have Cordinier, uh, but also there are many veteran players you're depending on. Like like Danny Hackett and Marco Bellinelli, and Lomash is probably just like a short term solution. Mm. Uh, so if possible, I would like to add a younger player, a guard who could add some energy, who could play probably some short periods during the game for four or five minutes, where he gives you some scoring, some speed. Uh, just that again nothing spectacular nothing impressive not looking for a million dollar player <laughs> just someone who, who could help not looking for another marcus howard no in february no. it's just that i got the impression that maybe they're just like running out of gas they, they were beaten in barcelona 57 84. they were beaten mm. in istanbul 75 88. it just shows me that maybe they don't have the same energy they had in the first part of the season and they trying to get to the playoffs and it's going to be tough. So maybe some help. Yeah, I would agree. On the other hand, do you know how many times they have lost this season at home? At home? Once? Yeah. When? First, first, game. Game. first game. First game. First game. That's crazy. And the comeback against Partizan, Ife Lundberg, mm. again with some clutch shots. So that's what I'm saying. Like It's not like they're in a crisis yep. or anything like that. Just... But it's hard for them, Some help. And, and with Tornika Shingalia, you know, injured. Yeah, that's true. Um, another thing that I had in my mind is I would love to see Barcelona signing a guard mm. to help. And there is a guy that just started practicing with them that is known as a pretty good basketball player, you know. Mm. And uh, I don't know the state that he's in, but I think he's he's better, you know, with his mental help. I'm ob obviously talking about Ricky Rubio. I would love to see him sign with Barcelona, you know, with his experience, with his passing, with his defense. I think that would be huge. That would be great. Barcelona is already a super good team, but the way they mm -hmm. play their game, uh, the way they... Um, the way they build around their, their game, around the pick and rolls, and, you know, you have Ricky Rubio there, I think that would be huge. And I think it would help. It's, it's not only would be a feel-good story, mm. but I think it would help Barcelona as well. What do you think? I mean, it's hard I, to I, I don't know. know, because I haven't yeah. seen him play for, for two years, probably. Mm -hmm. And, you know, sometimes, even if the player is, is really, really good, if, the, if your point guard is not going to shoot the free, it might not help you as much as, as, as you're thinking. Like, he's a great passer, he's a good defender. 
But if he's not taking those three-point shots, well, you already have Tomas Satoransky, uh, a limited shooter. Uh, you have Jokobaitis, you have La Provitola. So for Jokobaitis, probably if Rubio joins the team and actually signs a contract, it's it's not the best situation as a Spanish player, as right. a legendary Spanish player. Mm-hmm. He's going to get minutes and he's probably going to get your minutes because mm-hmm. La Provitola is so important and Satoransky is, is the primary point guard for them. Mm, but I would just I would love to see Rubio on the court. That that's a fact. <laughs> um, what I also would love to see is uh, Maccabi bringing back Lorenzo Brown because the man definitely he definitely has has problems. I think probably injuries or health problems. He's not himself right now. They don't need a new yeah, signing. He's not he's not as good as last year. There's something wrong. Like and it's probably. I don't know his back or his knee or something that 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 stops him from playing his his best basketball. It's not the same Lorenzo Brown. The double week in mm-hmm. in Spain was was terrible for him. The numbers were terrible, especially in Madrid game. So for Maccabi to be successful, they need Lorenzo Brown desperately. And I wonder if his shape has something to do with the injury that he missed the World Cup for. Uh, mm. This summer, could you be. Know, could he's, be. He said that um, he's not going to play, but not because he doesn't want to, but because he has injury and he wants yeah. time to recover because of the long season. He doesn't want to pl- play two years in a row without a rest. And uh, yeah, yeah, it's. And I'm not I taking shots him. at Lorenzo Brown. No, 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 no. It's just obviously that something is wrong, and he's struggling, and he's still trying to play. He's still trying to help the team. But you see his his frustration when he goes to the bench that he is not happy with the current state. So I just hope Lorenzo Brown, before the playoffs or somehow, like, mm. gets healthy. Maybe he needs to sit out a, a couple of weeks. Uh, but I want to see the real Lorenzo Brown. They don't need any signings, probably. They just need <laughs> Lorenzo Brown. <laughs> um, do, do you have any other... Solutions because not really the, the way I was looking at the at the standings, and uh, the thing that was that you know I would love to add to Fenerbahce, mm. you know, a defensive minded center. But, then but they already have free. Then you need to cut someone. And right, it's probably not going to happen in February. Partizan, I would also would like to make some changes, but it's not possible. They already have like ten or eleven guys mm. who are really good and who can play. Um, Maybe a defensive-minded small forward there, because Matheus Panitka is not having a great year, and I was—I really believed in him. I—I thought he's going to fit in really nicely, but mm-hmm. I'm not sure whether that's injuries because he missed. Last quite year a, quite we talked the same about Papa Petru. Somehow, right? These small forwards just maybe don't fit in that team. Mm-hmm. I don't know. I don't know. You know, they 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 are not great defensively. Mm-hmm. I think they're still 17th in that standings. I'm not. I'm. I'm absolutely. I'm probably 95% sure they're not going to sign anything anymore because, as I said, they already have 10 or 11 players that are good, good role players in any Euroleague team. The same with Fenerbahce. The same with Olympiakos. How many guys they have? even with the ones that are injured right now, that can play yearly, that are yearly material. Yeah. It has to be 12 plus. And for sure. How you, you are not going to play all the guys. Yeah, that's that's a that's true. Like I think for some of those teams they don't need new signings. They need some of the players they have to get healthy. Mm. 
And when they have the full roster, you don't need to add players. Like Monaco, for example. Now, Okobo is back with the team. Hmm. Jordan Lloyd is back. So you have all these players. And I saw their game versus Fenerbahce, and they do look great now that the players are back. But three or four weeks ago when Okobo was suspended and Lloyd was still injured, you were thinking, like, maybe they are in trouble because... Hmm. Mike James needs more help. They need more ball handlers. They need someone who can create. But that's the thing. You might sign a new player, and then the ones you have come back after their injuries. And does it? Boy, we have problems. And sometimes signing new player does not help the chemistry in the yep. team. You know, so maybe I I would say most of these teams just need the players to be healthy, mm. not necessarily add add someone someone new. And that's been a huge problem. This season, yeah, in the Euroleague and everywhere, definitely the injuries. Anyway, I think uh, that's a wrap up for this or bonus episode. Uh, if you enjoyed it, hit that like button, comment down below with your suggestions, maybe for your favorite team, what you want them to sign, how to improve the roster. Thanks again to our sponsor, SK Store. I think Ritis is going to use those shoes for his amateur games. It depends um, on the size, but it looks like my size. I, I think they are good. I think they're good. So I will try it on. Visit skstore.au. Thanks for watching, and we'll see you next week for a Q&A episode. Bye. See you guys.